St. Martin's School Radio. It's the year 1588 and Elizabeth I is on the throne of England. While in Spain, King Philip II reigns. England was becoming Protestant. While Spain remained Catholic. Elizabeth had rejected his hand in marriage. He used to be married to his sister Mary I and when she died he lost his power over England. This plan to take down Elizabeth had been in the making for several years. So with that started the Spanish Armada. Elizabeth was forewarned of this attack and so had time to gather recruits. She instructed Sir Francis Drake and Lord Charles Howard to lead the charge against Spain. Back in Spain, Philip had appointed Medina Sidonia as the head of the Spanish Armada. Sidonia wasn't chosen for his experience before his wealth and power. England had a small fleet of only 34 ships, while Spain had a fleet of 125 galleons. With this, the battle went down on July 31st. The Spanish were beginning to sail towards England, but the English were ready and waiting for them. The battle wasn't as smooth as they expected. The weather was very windy, chaotic, and would play a bigger role in the battle than expected. The Spanish were sailing with the wind, whereas the England were sailing a zigzag into the wind. Though it was difficult, they did it. The Spanish were in a defensive crescent shape, while the English split in two. Drake leading one, Howard leading the other. The Spanish were not expecting this, the tiny fleets coming from left and right. The Spanish wanted it closer, but the English kept their distance. The Spanish kept sailing into the dangerous wind. God blew and they were scattered. After a few more hours of fighting, the Spanish were defeated. After the 125 galleons had set sail, only 60 returned home. The Spanish were defeated and the English were victorious. St. Martin's Radio. This is a Spanish podcast. My name is Grace. And my name is Kate. To explore further into this interesting episode we've just written for you, we have invited Dr. Mackelson, who is a senior lecturer in modern history from Cardiff University. He accepted our invitation to answer some questions we have on the Spanish Armada. Let's talk to him. Welcome to the St. Martin's Radio, Dr. Mackelson. I am really delighted to be here. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. So the first question is, where was a lot of Spain's wealth coming from and what did King Philip II do with the money? Well, those are very good questions. Um, So Philip II of Spain was probably the most powerful monarch of the 16th century. He was not just king of Spain, he also had possessions in Italy. He was um, 
mm-hmm. also in charge of Milan in the north of Italy and in Naples in the south. He had possessions in uh, the, the Netherlands, the Low Countries, which is where I'm from originally. So uh, he was a, a lord and duke of various territories over there. Um, and more, most importantly, he was also um, uh, the emperor of of a big chunk of the new world and that is where a lot of his wealth came from um so it was um uh, under his grandparents you know the famous sort of like uh, catholic kings um isabella and ferdinand that uh Sp- spaniards discovered uh the new world um and then it was under his father uh charles v that they discovered big deposits of silver, particularly in a place called Potosi in Bolivia, what is now Bolivia, which uh, where it became um, one of the biggest cities in in the Western Hemisphere. More than 200,000 people lived there, which may not seem like a lot uh, today, but it really sort of like made it into a proper metropolis. And this was, you know, far out, you know, in the middle of nowhere, uh, because silver was incredibly important. And that silver was shipped every, every year. There was a silver fleet that sort of like gathered up all the silver from the new worlds that left from Cuba to Spain and um, and that sort of like money went you know a big chunk of that money went straight into fill up the second scoffers and then to the second point what did they do with that money well it's like actually Philip had uh, a lot of um, expenditure he had to uh, defend his big empire um, so actually, even though Philip got a lot of money out of the New World, um, he actually also then bankrupt uh, quite a few times, basically because uh, you know the cost of keeping these armies uh, was you know was considerable, and um, um, so and he was at war pretty much all the time. So he was king for nearly half a century. But, in, but during all of his his his, his many decades in power, he, his his empire is only at peace for six months of that time. Um, so there was always one war, whether it was in Italy or in France or in the Netherlands, or of course, as we're talking about you know, today, England, there was always some war or another that he had to involve himself in. Um, and all of those wars cost quite a bit of money. So, so, so that's where the money came from and that's where the money went. That's very interesting. What was the main cause of the rivalries between Elizabeth I and Philip II? Um, well, it's important to remember that you know we all you know think of you know Spain as a Catholic country, and Spain was 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 very Catholic then too. Um, but it was England at the time that was the largest Protestant country of, of Europe, and lots of uh, England's problems in the 16th and 17th centuries stemmed from the fact that there really was no other Protestant country like it. There were other Protestant territories, like for instance parts of Germany uh, were Protestants, and there were uh, a number of Scandinavian countries like Sweden that had become Protestant, but these were all much um, much less powerful and much, much less important than England was. So all of the, 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 the really big you know, uh, territories, countries, in, in Europe at the time, you had, you know, you had four of them. You had the Holy Roman Emperor, which is actually, uh, sort of basically the, the main ruler of Germany. It's a bit of a complicated, complex system. And he was actually uh, a relative of Philip II of Spain. And so he was 
also very Catholic. You had the kings of France, and they were Catholic, and you had the, the kings of Spain, and they were Catholic. So, so England was the only major Protestant power, and that's uh, you know a big part of where the tension sort of like between uh, England and Spain um, uh, comes from. But it's also really worth you know sort of like uh, uh, pointing out that originally England and Spain were the best of friends. Like it was Henry VIII, you know, his first wife was Catherine of Aragon. So, and Catherine of Aragon was uh, was a Habsburg. <laughs> so, so, um, so there have been long-standing sort of like friendly relationships between um, Spain and England because uh, traditionally, um, you know, Spain and England sort of like have an enemy in common, namely France. Um, and all of that then just changed with the Reformation when, when, when England became Protestant and, and, and Spain you know, remained Catholic. And then that, that's, uh, at that point, these sort of alignments uh, shifted. And it's especially in the, uh, in, the, in the 1580s when things get really, really tough. And that's, of course, ultimately when, when the Armada happens. So England was helping Protestant rebels in the Netherlands financially and with, 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 with weapons, which, uh, which Spain really didn't like. Um, and Spain was, was sort of a ha- housing quite a lot of English Catholic refugees. So these were English Catholics who uh, did not want to become Protestant. And they sort of like went en masse to to Spain and Philip II gave quite a few of them pensions so that they sort of like you know, to support them. So, so there was quite a big bit of a cold war going on for a while, and then in the 1580s things got um, yeah that that cold war became quite a hot war, and that's sort of like when the, the, the Spanish Armada happened. Okay, so we know that Philip II was consort of Mary, but do you think he enjoyed his days as husband of the Queen? <laughs> oh, well, I can't look into Philip's sort of state of mind. Uh, I, I, I do know that he was quite resentful about sort of like not getting all the powers of a king that he uh, that he had hoped for. Uh, but yeah, it's quite an important piece of background information that uh, before uh, he became sort of like the big enemy of Queen Elizabeth, um, you know, King Philip II of Spain had married her older sister, uh, Mary, and that Mary Tudor, she was actually, you know, his cousin, because she was the daughter of Catherine of Aragon, you may remember. So, uh, but that's something that Habsburgs did a lot. You know, lots of Habsburgs, they, 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 they married each other to keep the power and the wealth and, uh, in, inside the family. So, so Philip wasn't all that happy, uh, during his time in, in England. He wasn't actually in England all that much during Mary's short reign. So, you know, he came over to get married uh, and stayed then for a year and then sort of like went away for two years I think and then came back for another like half a year or so um, so it was, but that was long enough for him to sort of like consider himself quite an expert on the English so he he actually uh, sort of like believed that he knew the English better than most of his counselors did um, and when um, uh, when, when his wife Mary died and he sort of like you know lost his title as king of England he um, he actually sort of like you know, for a time thought he could woo Elizabeth, his you know his his half you know his wife's half sister, and perhaps sort of like keep the the kingdom of England uh, that way. But you know, as you 
which, as you both know very well, like England wasn't, uh, Elizabeth wasn't very interested in, uh, in that match uh, at all. Thank you. I know a couple of the battle tactics, but who do you think had the best ones and why? Oh, that's a very good question. And it's a very difficult question to answer. Um, it's, I think the main thing to say is sort of that the Spanish Armada was such a difficult enterprise, right? It's like, especially if you have to think about sort of technology then compared to technology now. Like nowadays, you know, you have, you know, reliable ships that, you know, can, that are not dependent on the winds or, uh, can, can, you know, can sail in any storm or almost any storm. And the, 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 it's quite a logistical feat, essentially, what the Spanish wanted to do. It's quite a challenge to get a big fleet from Spain to go to Flanders, you know, to, to Belgium, uh, pick up, you know, tens of thousands of troops, and then transport those troops across the channel to England. So I think the, 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 the main point I would make in answer to your question was sort of, is, was just simply to sort of say that what the Spanish try, try to do you know, they had to be very lucky in order to pull it off because of the weather. Um, and they also had to sort of like, you know, um, had a lot of logistical issues to think through. Like, it was such a big operation that, like, people think of the Spanish Armada as, like, a secret, as it's like, oh, no, the Spanish Armada is coming. But actually, like, everyone in Europe knew that the Spanish Armada was sort of, like, in the works for for years. So it, it was, you couldn't keep it secret. The English knew, knew that it was coming. And um, it was really easy because it was such a big operation. It was also then easy to to frustrate because you know it's really difficult to uh, get a fleet and an army to meet up at the same time. Um, and then, and the English, with some help from the Protestant Dutch, were able to sort of like make that um, make, were able to disrupt that that that, that plan in the end very, uh, quite effectively. You know, very famously using this fire ship. That they sort of send into port that scattered the fleet. Um, so using using wind to great effect. Okay, do you think that the man chosen to lead the Spanish galleons was the right choice? Um, well, so this is the ship of uh, Medina Sidonia, um, and he was sort of like a very much a sort of later rival because the original admiral who was chosen had died, and he um, and and that admiral had been a lot more more successful. Um, but uh, it, the man was was a very good um, was very good at logistics. So he's very good at sort of like your know, planning and that sort of thing. But he had never uh, led uh, a navy campaign or any military campaign, I think. So he was not uh, particularly well suited for that role. Um, uh, and and that was probably you know a, a, an important factor in 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 why the mission didn't not, didn't did not succeed. Thank you. What have that caused England to win, and why do you think they won? Um, well, I think I think I've given my main answer there too. It's sort of like that the the, the, the challenge of uh, of conquering an, uh, a kingdom is quite a, a tough one, um, and you might even sort of like ask sort of like what would have happened if the Spanish Armada had actually landed in England. You know, sort of like you know would it have, would it have been even possible for uh, a, uh, a an army of that size to to occupy a kingdom the size of England. It would have been uh, and Wales, of course, too. Um, uh, that would have been a really really tough challenge. Um, and even sort of Philip II sort of like recognized that 
that might not happen. Like a lot of it sort of like depended on whether or not there was going to be any sort of like local support for what um, Philip II wanted to do. So there were lots, as I mentioned, there were lots of English Catholics uh, in exile um, in Spain, and they sort of fervently believed that the people of England uh, were still all, you know, fervently Catholic, and they were just all, all of them were just waiting for uh, a liberator to arrive. Um, and so, when the fleet sort of like was about to leave, like the Spanish Armada fleet was about to leave, there was um, the leader of these English, the leader of these Catholic exiles, a man called William Ann Allen, who was made cardinal of England by um, by the Pope. He even had printed like a pamphlet that was meant to be circulated as soon as the troops landed in England. Um, calling up on like the English to rise up against the Protestant yoke of of of, of Elizabeth Tudor. Um, so you know, so it, it seems to me, however, like uh, you know, thirty years into the Reformation, it seems to me very unlikely that the English would be sort of like so desperate to have Catholicism back that they would rise up and support the you know these these Spanish foreign troops. Um, so um, so yeah, if you think about what if you think about um, the various challenges uh, that this, this project fails, like it's it's very difficult to sort of see how it could ever have, have succeeded. And Philip II himself ought to recognize this because he sort of like as a Danby suggested to his general, so this is Alexander Farnese, the, 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 the leader of the army, that if he were to land successfully in England and like, you know, that he should, you know, if he couldn't like capture the queen and if he couldn't sort of like, you know, win uh, the hearts of the people, uh, that he should just use, you know, his army to negotiate at at very least sort of like um, uh, uh, toleration for for English Catholics, you know, that was what he should should aim for as as a plan B. So so even even Philip, I think, realized that his plans might not have been the most realistic. Thank you. That's really interesting. And um, now I'm going to ask why the wind played such an important role. Um, yeah, <laughs> hard to say more about that. To be honest, it's it's as I've already mentioned, the fire ship, which is a really famous um, a part of the story. Right, it's sort of like this is when Sir Sir Francis Drake, the English admiral, sort of sent a ship into the harbour where the, the Spanish the Spanish fleet was was waiting, and that sort of like in a fire ship could be be absolutely. Um, uh, absolutely devastating. Um, it's uh, um, you know because it might just set the entire fleet on, on, on fire. So that that's one factor in which caused the fleet to scatter. Um, um, and the Spanish Armada, when it sort of like then dispersed, you know, got into terrible storms. But the North Sea is is and has always been known to have terrible weather um, and lots of storms. So it. Um, uh, so once once the fleet broke up into pieces, as it were, um, it uh, it became even more difficult for for the, for what remained to um, to get home uh, back to safety. Um, so it's it's quite a um, so yeah it's, it's quite an important factor um, uh, that that's, that's certainly true. Thank you. Was the defeat of the Spanish Armada as important as it's said to be? It's. <laughs> It's that's a really good question. Um, I, I think in you know if I'm right, if what I'm just been telling you 
uh, is right. I did, that the Spanish Armada was always going to be defeated one way or another, that even if they landed, they probably would not have won, um, then, then maybe it's not all that important. And it's, there's, certainly, there's certainly really a lot of powerful myths about, um, about the Spanish Armada. There is a uh, you know, there's a famous speech that Queen Elizabeth herself is meant to have given um, at a place called Tilbury, you know, in advance of the Amada's arrival, where she sort of like famously um, said that, uh, that, I know I have the body, but of a weak and feeble woman, but I have the heart and stomach of a king and a king of England, too. Um, and that's... Um, and that type of speech sort of like, you know, has been really famous in, in sort of English history in particular. But it's worth noting that that text of that speech only sort of like, you know, the earliest versions of that text date back to the 1620s when her successor, King James, was, was king. Um, and at that time, England was being ruled actually by a foreign monarch. England was ruled by King James I of England, but James VI of Scotland. England was ruled by a Scottish king, and there were lots of people unhappy about that. And they used the, the legend, legacy of Elizabeth um, to sort of like as a way of criticizing um, the king um, and criticizing the Stuarts in particular, like all the Stuarts kings, really. So there is so so the myth of the myth of uh, the Spanish Armada is part of the myth of, of of Queen Elizabeth and 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 she has had the good fortune that she, that she looks like a really really good ki- a queen compared to the quite crappy Stuart kings that came after her um, and um, yeah no, this is you know like a general lesson in life sort of like that you know you should always hope that your successor will be worse than you because some people will just be thinking it's like ah oh, we really miss grace you know uh it's like because she was such a good podcaster um so um it's um so yeah so that's so, so that's something that i think benefited uh, uh elizabeth and that's both benefited the spanish armada and then perhaps the second point there is sort of that the spanish armada might also be sort of part of the beginning of the story of the British Empire, sort of like where it sort of like becomes, you know, sort of like it can be used to see this, to point the way that, you know, England will rule, Britannia will rule the waves, um, uh, and that it's, that England's power and it's, um, you know, lies at, 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 on the sea and not, not in land. So I think for those two reasons, like the, the, the Spanish Armada has become particularly important as, as part of uh, the legend of, of, of England on the one hand and then later of Britain uh, as, the, as part of the British Empire um, on, the, on the other hand. Thank you. This is our last question. Um, so what do you think would have happened if the Spanish had won? Well, that's... <laughs> that's a really good one sort of like as I said like so much depends on like whether or not you know sort of like uh, the the people of England would have risen up in support of the foreign invasion and, and as I said that doesn't seem to me as particularly likely um, although having that like you know Elizabeth was not by all means the most popular you know monarch at the time and and, and like it, it gets actually the last years of her reign in the 1590s were actually quite bad for England so with lots of like food shortages and lots of riots and that sort of thing um so um so maybe it's not impossible 
Um, but as I said, I, I, I personally uh, would consider it unlikely. Um, but basically what you're asking me is, what, is something what historians call counterfactual history. And counterfactual history is basically sort of like asking historians to sort of speculate um, about sort of like what would have happened, um, you know, if one thing in history had changed. Um, and as I said, I think with the Spanish Armada, it's like it's very hard to sort of see the outcome of that change. But it would be very interesting to sort of see, to think about what England would look like if Mary Tudor had not died when she did, right? So, so she was only queen for like four years, if she, or four, five years. Um, so if she, if she, if she had lived, you know, and, and, and if she had, if she and Philip had, had children, then the history of England would have been radically different. And, and that's not such a bad or such an odd thing to think about. So, so these type of questions that, like, that, like the ones that you're asking, they, they can be really good for historians to think with. Thank you so much for joining us today. We've really enjoyed having you on St. Martin's Radio. It was absolutely my pleasure. It was really, really fun talking to you guys. And uh, I, I hope you guys have many, many more interesting interviews in the future. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.